Episode 2 of the Design Soapbox. <laughs> we did it. We did it. This is Episode 2. I am so pumped. Hopefully you can hear it in my voice. Hi, I'm Daniel Heron. I'm brand architect for Scout Retail, a graphic designer by day and night. And I'm the host of this show, The Design Soapbox. Another big shout out to Josiah Mason for that killer intro music. If you need music done, please check him out. The link will be in the description of this podcast on SoundCloud. Wow. First, I really want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in last week and for the first episode. There were an amazing number of you who reached out to me via Twitter and on Facebook with compliments and encouragement and questions, everything that I had hoped this podcast would initiate with a community and a conversation, you guys made it happen. You know who you are, so thank you. It makes all of the difference to know that there are people out there who actually care that some things are talked about in this episode that wanted to be discussed or actually grip them or passionate about them. So whether it was your story of hustle or just some questions about how to do podcasting, I really appreciate it. I'm going to get to some of those questions that were posed to me at the end of this episode in a Q&A session, so stick with me to the end. We've got a killer show, a great lineup of content for you. First off, I want to start out by letting you know what the format that I've kind of tentatively decided on for these shows, just to kind of give you a grasp or a way to look at the entire podcast in its pieces. First, we're going to do my sign-on with that killer tune. Then I'm going to tell you what happened based on last week's stuff. And then I'm going to start right away into an update from the Northwest. That's going to be the section where I give you a little details about what's going on here in Portland. After that, I'm going to get into my work in progress, things I'm doing both professionally and in the margins of my free time. I'm going to segue then into the app and tool feature. So Every one of you who's actually a creative professional out there, you're going to have a piece for your daily workflow, uh, basically something that I've found really helps in the creative process. And then I'm going to hit it hard with a rant, something that ticks me off, that pisses me off, some design thing that uh, I've noticed and want to make, make a point of or bring to your attention. And we'll have a song break. The song break will be some cool jam that I've gotten permission to use and is on my playlist After that, we will hit it hard with the discussion of each podcast. So each will have a title. I'm going to try and marry all the stories that we tell and all of the sections uh, to that title or that main key content. But that's going to happen right after the the musical break in the middle. Then we're going to feature an Instagram hero. Last week it was Eva Winters, and she was wonderful. Um, Lots of updates for that. Uh, After that, we're going to have a note for the clients. If you're someone who buys design, that's going to be the section for you. I'm going to have some feedback, advice, or maybe just some tips on how to get good design made. Then I'm going to tell you what I'm listening to, what's been on my playlist, so that maybe during the week you will have a chance to look up some really cool songs. 
I'm going to do some Q&A section and we'll sign it off. So that's going to be hopefully a repeatable format for these podcasts. It gives me a way to break down the content into sections. It gives you an understanding of where I want to go with this thing. Also, it helps with the whole process of podcasting. I don't have a co-host here to play off of, so all of the discussion that we have is going to be around these topics so that they're bite-sized and I can write content for them and keep these things coming out on a weekly basis. All of your encouragement, all of your support is really welcome. I would love to have you guys stay on top of me. My goal is to release these things on Tuesday and it's already Wednesday now. So unfortunately I didn't meet my deadline, but I'm still working out the kinks of this whole recording process. Some of the quick details about the podcast before we launch into today's episode. When I started last week, it really was minimum viable product. It was just get something recorded, get it out there, start getting feedback, start getting a conversation going. All of that was really cool, but also I didn't do some of the things that when I'm starting any other initiative, I usually do, i.e., get all of the social media accounts set up, buy the domain name, get an email and contact info set up. So all of that administrative stuff I've made progress on this week. You can now tweet directly to the show on Twitter at design underscore soapbox is going to be the tagline for discussion items for recording process. I'm going to post exclusive content there. Uh, maybe some sneak peek video trailers of the recording process. A bunch of stuff will be uh, available through that channel as well as contact at designsoapbox.com or daniel at designsoapbox.com. All of those ways you'll be able to get a hold of me and you can participate in the show, share stories of your hustle or any of the things that are relevant to the content presented here. That'll be your avenue of communication with me as I'm getting things together for future episodes. If you just want to tweet me and want to get a hold of me specifically, my Twitter handle is at Daniel Heron. Encouraging notes or live tweeting as you listen to this episode, all of those things are welcome. I want to say thank you to Sarah Barrow. After listening to last week's episode, the first one, she actually texted me as she was listening, and it was really cool to have her laugh and comment and give conversational um, clarity back and forth while she was listening. So that launched a two days of us texting back and forth and geeking out. We're actually going to probably do a lettering project together as a result of it. It was a lot of fun. And I want to say big thanks to Sarah. If you decide that you would like to just get a hold of me and you have my phone number, text me and let me know you're starting to listen to the show. And we can have some like that extra dialogue, which would make this whole thing fun. I don't want this to sound like me just sitting here talking to a microphone in my home studio and sending sound bites out to SoundCloud. That's not going to be the point. I really want this to be a conversation. So if you find yourself listening to this and want to tweet at me and let me know that you're in this process while the viewership or the listenership is manageable, I would love to participate because then it feels like we're doing this thing together. Also, questions, big time Give me your questions. Give me uh, ideas uh, or things you want me to clarify. Someone reached out to me and said, hey, I had an issue with one of the things you said last week, and I'd love for you to clarify it. So I'm going to get to that in the Q&A section at the end of this. That's it for the household details. I've given you the contact info. Again, for any of the things that I referenced during the show, go ahead and check out the podcast description, and it's going to have all of those specifically on SoundCloud. Oh, also a, a really cool thing is... 
I now have this thing uploaded into the iTunes store. So if you're an iOS user, an iPhone user, go please out there to subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store. That will make a huge difference in reaching a new viewership. Leave a comment, review the show, because if you do that, then we have the chance of getting elevated in the standings on the, on the podcast store for design, and that will help us to get you know maybe a little bigger audience of listeners for anyone who might benefit from the app feature or any of the topics we talk about. So if you wouldn't mind going to iTunes and subscribing and leaving me feedback, that'd be huge props and a huge thank you to those of you out there willing to do that. Okay. Now on to the first segment, which is an update from the Northwest. Surprise, surprise, in Portland, it is raining. As I'm recording this and watching the waveforms go by on my computer, I can hear the rain on the roof, and it is surreal and beautiful. I'm one of those freaks who absolutely loves the rain. I kind of detest the sunshine as a designer. I don't get to see much of it, but I really do love it when I wake up and I look outside and it's overcast and uh, a little misty or even drizzling. That just makes me feel refreshed. So it is my kind of weather. I knew that when I was moving to Portland and I am not being disappointed. Also, this podcast could be sponsored by um, Dutch Brothers. We have plenty of Dutch Brothers here, and it is my caffeine of choice. Not only does it uh, fuel the show, but it seems to fuel my life. Many of you out there who know what Dutch Brothers is, um, go out and get a drink. My, my favorite drink is the medium drinkable Niner. It was suggested to me by my best friend, Philip Munshausen, and I haven't gone back since. It's a lot of caffeine, but honestly, getting through these things and the number of recording hours necessary, Dutch Brothers has been my friend. Now, granted, that's for caffeine. In Portland, we have a ton of great coffee shops, Barista and um, Heart Roastery, uh, tons, nameless. There are, there are thousands of coffee shops here, and I love them, and uh, I, I try and visit them as often as possible. I take my laptop because I'm a remote worker. I can go and sit and mooch off Wi-Fi while I'm enjoying a uh, pour over or whatnot. But when I'm just taking a drink or trying to get amped up, it's Dutch Brothers. And thankfully here in the Midwest, we have that. So that's really cool. Um, also, kind of to be honest with you, you know, this segment I'm trying to you know give you an insight of what's going on in Portland. This week has been tough. It has been wonderful to hear all of your feedback and just uh, blowing me away at every time someone reaches out and shares with me a story or a question. But I tell you, the moment that you stand up and say hustle and don't accept excuses, good grief. Apathy will hit you like a rolling train or distraction. And it's not that I don't care about the things that are going on. It's kind of that everything hitting me at once and I feel like I'm struggling to move through the daily things that, that slow us all down. So um, you're not alone. If that's where you're, where you're at and what you're feeling, I want to say me too. Hang in there. Stick with it. Keep slogging through cleaning the dishes and doing laundry and answering phone calls, responding to emails, all the stuff that seems like fodder that gets in the way of your dreams. All of those things are necessary for life. Um, otherwise, you'll run out of clothes and dishes, which has been my reality recently. So 
that's where I'm at up here in Portland. Now on to some cool stuff. The work in progress I've gotten to do. So starting with my occupation, the uh, stuff I'm doing for Scout Retail, I got to work with Good Eats brands. And I mentioned a little bit what I was doing for them last week. But this week, I want to say big success. Celebrate with me. We got the logo type done. It's all squared away. I'm working on that brand style guide, coming up with color palettes, and now kind of trying to figure out what kind of icon that I can add to the type that we use in order to really facilitate or depict, if you will, the innovation in food. I would love to get your insight on it and feedback on it, but it's going to have to stay internal until we really finalize on something. So once I release it, I'll make a big deal about it and would love to find out whether or not you think I really succeeded. That's on the scout side and the career side. On the freelance thing, uh, my good buddy Ryan Heft and roommate for a while, we launched several months ago an apparel brand. Good grief, as though we didn't need anything else on our plate, we decided why not have an apparel brand. So we cranked and we kicked some ass and we hustled for a good two to three months really to get like 15 designs ready to ship. And we had our good friend Tyler Carroll in in Asylum Springs at the time print for us all of the mock-ups and the uh, the the first runs those those shirts that we could put on models and get photography taken all with the hopes to launch an e-commerce store and get it online. Now that then decided you know basically after last week's show, I switched my profile photo to a photo of me wearing the like arguably the first shirt for the hustle sold separately. And I included that in, in our, in our apparel brand, bolt action apparel, but it was kind of a one-off. It didn't really fit the rest of the motif that we were going for with the brand. And after talking with Ryan later on this, uh, this last week, we decided, you know what, let's launch a spinoff brand based on the hustle and do some design specifically on that because a ton of you out there saw me change my photograph and, then we're asking where you could get a copy of your own shirt or, you know, one of your own where you could purchase it and uh, represent the hustle. And first off, I want to say, holy cow, thank you. It, it is hugely flattering for you to like one of my designs enough to purchase it and uh, and to represent it and to um, wear it proudly, specifically after we, we launched that last episode. So stay tuned. Hang on. Be patient. Thank you for your patience. I will let you know once we get that print fulfillment figured out, uh, how we're going to, we're in discussions with uh, a supplier who's going to handle all of our order processing. We'll have it plugged into an e-commerce store and I will let you know. And listeners of the show will be the first ones available to purchase anything hustle sold separately. So I'm coming up with a few extra designs and Ryan is going to be a huge part in coding that back end and helping me ideate. And we're going to get this thing viable, ready to ship and launch and we will make a big deal of that on the show later on. So stay tuned for that. That's the freelance side of things in my free time. Obviously, I'm doing this podcast. So I've started to identify times in my day when I'm eating or about to go to sleep or driving. And I will, uh, some concept or rant or future uh, discussion item will pop into my head and I'll, I'll, 
take a few minutes to pull out my phone and take a quick note, get some of that content written down so that you guys can benefit from these ideas. I'm going to try and build all this content into cohesive themes and episodes so that we can continue this thing on a weekly basis and uh, hopefully you'll find it entertaining and interesting. But that's really been in the margins, the things that I am thinking about when I kind of zone out or space or am sitting at the mealtime kind of like zoning. All of those times, it's when my subconscious is really, you know, kind of digesting and rocking and rolling on what I could do for this podcast. It's really coming at a great time for me because working remote means I don't really have an opportunity to talk with somebody. But knowing that I'm preparing content for you all week makes it worthwhile. So like I said at the beginning, and I will plug it as many times as I possibly can, when you engage with the things that are said here, it makes everything worthwhile. It makes my week feel full of friends and co-conspirators, all of the community that I so crave as a designer, and we can get this thing uh, with some momentum. I also am talking along a lot with friends and other designers because I don't want this to just kind of be the Daniel Heron speaks to a microphone alone in a studio show. I want this to have some variety. So um, while I was, you know, outside walking my dog, I got a phone call from Tara Tarkington, a good friend from the past, a sweet, sweet friend. And if for any of you who don't know her, you are missing out. She is not only incredibly kind and passionate, but she is talented. She uh, called me after listening to the first episode and actually gave me an opportunity to chat with her and catch up. And she's going to be here in Portland. Uh, She's coming out from Texas and she decided that she wanted to sit in the studio with me while I record a future episode. So in the next week or so, I'm going to have a chance to sit and interview her and find out how her hustle has led her across the world. And I'm going to hopefully present that, edit it together and share it with all of you. So you guys will be able to benefit from her story and her passion and then have some variety there. Also, if you want to be a part of the show with your interview and you find yourself up in Portland or you have access to like a studio mic, that would be awesome. I would love to have some variety here. So those are the things that I'm thinking about in kind of the margins when I'm not doing paid freelance or my career job. Those are the things I'm trying to orchestrate in the margins here. So I know it sounds like I'm going a bunch of different directions, but it really all is themed in this design and just trying to get content out there. So it feels fun. That was the work in progress section. Now on to the weekly app update. This week's app update is an app that I discovered recently and I am loving. It's called Noon Pacific. I reached out to them on Twitter and asked for permission to feature them here in the podcast and they said, go for it. Eventually, you know, uh, potentially they will be reblasting the link to the show. So maybe more listeners will hear it. But this app is killer. It's available in the iOS store and the Android store, and it releases playlists daily. Not only is it beautifully designed and clean, but it will collect cool music into um, really awesome playlists and release it at noon every day. So it blows me away that that, uh, the creators over there are able to find great content to populate these playlists every day. I think they're on like 160 at this point, and it's just... 
every single one of these playlists is really cool and it's a great way to get out in discovery mode and find some of the up-and-comers those fringe artists who haven't quite broken into the mainstream uh, stage yet but are still cranking out awesome tunes it's like having that friend who you used to know in high school and you depended on for you know the update on all of the new music coming out all of that coolness from you know that friend wrapped up in a beautiful minimal app and it's available in your pocket every day so it has taken up more of my time than Spotify, which almost sounds like blasphemy because Spotify has been uh, such a huge part of my creative process, but I'm loving Noon Pacific. Go check them out. They're available on Twitter, and they will be linked, obviously, in the description, so you will not be disappointed if you are a creative or find yourself sitting at the computer or listening to a lot of music during the day. It will be cool for you to have access to a whole new array of songs and material. All right, all right. Now we are at the fun part of the episode, my rant, the things that tick me off. I said in the last episode that part of being passionate is proactive and positive, but another thing that is very necessary for passion is to hate something, to hate it with conviction and with reason. And last week I discussed microwaves and some of the things that made users feel stupid and the disservice that the UX design of a microwave was really known for. So if you missed it, it's funny, go back. I had a lot of people comment on it and say, man, that is exactly the same that I feel. And it, it was it was really fun to hear that I wasn't alone in my detesting of the microwave UX experience. This week, I didn't think I was going to do it, but I decided that I'm going to be up to date on what is happening right now and is trendy in design. Starbucks, the cups for Christmas. So a lot of people, uh, specifically Christians, have gotten up in arms about the Starbucks cups. And even though I am a believer and that is you know aligned with my core values, I got mad at Starbucks cups for a completely different reason. As a designer, I look forward to the holidays. When I used to work at Country Outfitter, we would prepare for the holidays months and months in advance. So I got my Christmas Jam playlist out basically at this time uh, last year, and we were hitting it hard with designing for the holidays. Now, that was a lot of fun and kind of stressful because... For the consumer, you experience all of the marketing and the graphic changes in all the sites you love and the stores you shop at in November and December, but for the people who are actually creating those things, it happens months in advance. Now, I look forward to what other brands are going to do with their holiday decoration. It is fun to see brands use the excuse of the season and the buying frenzy that is associated with the holidays to design something new, to come out with a new lineup or a new direction for their brand. And one of the things I've looked forward to in the past few years is to see what big companies like Starbucks are going to do with their holiday design. Now, I was at Starbucks kind of out of convenience, and I saw a little sandwich board that said, they're back, and we love this tradition. And on it, it had the red holiday cups. 
Now, I know that this is totally a marketing ploy and completely superficial. It really doesn't change the quality of the the flavors, but it does use uh, a lot of the branding weight that Starbucks has accrued over the years to um, kind of launch their holiday flavor lineup. And that is, you know, important and uh, vital to their kind of changing up the the menu. And that's good for a coffee company. But this holiday cup thing that has kind of blown up on the internet, or at least in my newsfeed, it seems to be missing the point. The point of the holiday season is to change it up and present some new festive and fun design. And a company like Starbucks is, you know, arguably one of the most successful and most successfully branded companies in our generation right now. They're a global company and they have done a, a great thing in providing coffee for the consumer. But this holiday cup thing has ticked me off. It pisses me off, that, you know, mainly that it's such a frenzy and everyone is worried about their creme brulee, dolce, gabbana, frappuccino, you know, Mick Cafe coffee. Everyone is loving the flavors. And then Starbucks, you know, I, I kind of relied on this brand because it's a big brand. It has the resources to really go above and beyond and set the mood and the standard for holiday design. I look forward to the season because I like to see what big brands are going to do with such a um, such a heavily weighted red and green snowflakes and snowmen visual style. It's fun to see brands play and the creative designers and the creative direction over at Starbucks is basically an unlimited budget that they get to play around and really innovate in a way that lots of people see. So I was looking forward to the holiday Starbucks cups as a designer, basically to see how a big brand with a virtually unlimited budget was able to retool and revamp their familiar design with something new. And I'm sitting in the drive through and I look at the sandwich board and the design of the Starbucks cup is just red. It's red. It, it's a red gradient. Even it has nothing on it. And everyone is ticked off that they're trying to take uh, Christ out of the holidays. And that really was not my first concern. It was what in the world happened was someone lazy or did they miss a deadline and the artwork for the cup was due and they just decided to BS their way in the meeting and say that this allows for all religions and all holiday celebration. We're not trying to focus on any particular holiday. No, th come on, really? Like you didn't have time to come up with something innovative. Last year, they came up with a really beautiful, minimalistic snowflake pattern. I loved it. It was really cool. And even in their white cups, they've released on the, the not the temporary cups, but the, you know, kind of the reusable dollar cups that I, you know, I personally have several of. It's one of the only things I buy at Starbucks because they're so convenient. But even on one of those cups, they have a design where it's like a bunch of doodles and lettering. 
And in the design community, it's common to draw on your cup and to have fun with designs. I love the fact that they write the names on the cups. And there's a lot of, you know, memes and movements out there in the uh, ethos. If you are searching for cups and coffee, that people have done some really cool things by designing on the Starbucks cups. Now, they had an opportunity to uh, introduce their or uh, display their creative wherewithal, their genius for everyone and everyone would take notice. But this time... They didn't do anything, like nothing. Like, are you serious? Was someone asleep? What in the world? That is not acceptable. If I went to any company and suggested for holiday season that we just do the color red in a gradient, I would be laughed out of the meeting. I would be rejected as lazy and as just asleep at my desk and wanting to miss a deadline. That's stupid. Really, Starbucks? I mean... I, yes, I do rely on brands to tell me what season it is, like walking to Target and all of the the end caps have all of a sudden gotten bedazzled in red and green and silver and snowflakes. That is the marker that the holiday season has appeared. But Starbucks, like you have so much brand equity tied up in this freaking red cup and you didn't do a damn thing with it. That is unexcusable, unacceptable. What in the world were you thinking? I wish I could talk with whoever was responsible for designing that because they tried to spin it as though they were being inclusive and I don't buy that for a damn minute. It's stupid. It's sheer laziness that they didn't do something new. You don't have to celebrate a specific religion. I mean, none of the decorations they've done thus far have even been remotely quote-unquote Christian. They've done snowflakes and snowmen and ribbons and all of those things are necessities for this holiday season. Arguably, the meeting of Christmas in the Christian religion is definitely not um, portrayed in merchandising. So that wasn't even an issue. It wasn't even a dialogue until some crazy guy with a ridiculous number of viewers on YouTube made it all about them hating on Christians. That's not the case. Some designer BS their way through a meeting and they didn't do a damn thing. And while I have been that guy and I have showed up to a meeting underprepared before, it's still not an excuse for a Fortune 500 company. For someone who has such a vast viewership globally, shame on you, Starbucks. I cannot believe this. If you got mad and you are hearing this and you're like, thank you, giving the designer point of view of this design debacle, then I would love to hear your rants about it. Tweet about it and get mad. Don't let the the poorly under-designed cups go unnoticed and don't participate in the drama and in the the Facebook trolling that that has existed around the Starbucks cups in its original way. Make the, cons, the context and the conversation about design because it was missing and shame on Starbucks. I, I just, did they not want to spend money? What in the world? So anyway, I know that that's ridiculous. It's not quite as fired up or as passionate about uh, as it was about microwaves, but it's still something that is relevant and new and current and trending. And I definitely wanted to uh, at least have a venue for my take on it and my frustration with it. I noticed it before I even saw Facebook and everyone was frustrated about it and I needed to get it out there. And now, you know, I'm pissed off at Starbucks. 
screw you, you guys didn't do a dang thing. And I'm disappointed because here I am trying to reinvent Christmas in a new way, or at least the Christmas season, the holiday season and winter. And I'm stuck looking at snowflakes for days upon days and you didn't do anything with it. Shame on you. All right. Now that, uh, now that I've gotten that out there, I feel like a cathartic weight slipped off my shoulders. I'm now going to cool down a little bit and we are going to take a few minutes to listen to my song pick of the week. I reached out on SoundCloud to an artist that really, you know, kind of jumped out at me and got my attention. His name is Jordan Andrew and he is, um, he's a young guy really making a name for himself in the uh, EDM, the dubstep and the house mix kind of scene. And he's got a really great song called Distance. Granted, I'll warn you, it is not what you usually would expect to hear from me. It's not traditional dubstep. I love its off-kilter melody, but I'll let you be the ones to decide. Here it is, Distance by Jordan Andrew.
that was Distance by Jordan Andrew. A big thank you to him for letting me use that track. I was so grateful that he contacted me and said, yeah, totally fine. Go for it. Use it. Go check him out on SoundCloud. Download that right now. I was able to download it for free. It is available for everyone to listen to. He is a really talented musician. Got a ton of other tracks out there that are worth a listen. So check him out. Give him some love and go the extra mile to support an artist who does really cool things. Yes, he is not a graphic artist, but he is doing what he believes and what he's passionate about in the music space, and that helps us accomplish what we do. So support him and like him, follow him, give him your love. Okay, so now that we've had our song feature, we're really into the meat of the podcast. This episode I titled Pulling the Trigger. Why did I choose that title, Pulling the Trigger? Well, I was struggling with what to do with this episode since I intended this to be predominantly a design podcast for designers, but there were so many people who weren't professional creative types who didn't design for a day job that reached out to me and said, wow, thank you so much for talking about the hustle was a kick in the pants that I needed. And that kind of totally changed my thought process about what this meat segment is going to be, what the content segment is going to include and what kind of terminology. Now, definitely I want to make sure that this is predominantly geared at designers and the creative space, but I'm hopefully going to make it applicable. I'll explain some of the terms that I use if there are industry standard terms that a non-designer wouldn't know. I will make it as inclusive as possible for non-creative professionals. But I talked a lot about the hustle last week, and my fear is that this might have tainted the entire flavor of my podcast to be all about the hustle. I don't intend to do every episode all about ignoring your excuses and getting things done, but this episode, Pull the Trigger, kind of came out of the logical segue, so kind of the ellipses of last week's show, the follow-up on the real deal behind the hustle, pulling the trigger. This comes from a deeply personal place for me. I don't want you to think that I have this thing all together, that I am able to do a podcast on hustle and I am the model and exemplary version of the hustle and you should respect me because I put out a lot of content. Because honestly, that is really not the case. I mean, for example, I haven't posted to Instagram and make, made traction on a lot of my passion projects, my personal projects, in light of this podcast going live. I have really kind of switched gears and focused everything on doing the podcast instead of some of the other projects that I committed to. And I feel guilty about that. That you know, it, it doesn't feel good to know that just because five or so days have gone by and I've made progress in other areas that I'm not following through in the things that I have said I would do. You know, this UI challenge that I started, the 365 project or 100 day project of UI, and then a 365 project of type. Now, those things are still important to me, but part of the halo effect of the hustle is coming up with your priorities to decide those things that are really important. So for context, I will give you insight into what my goal is. I absolutely love design and the creative 
community around design. Everything about design really lights my fat, my passion, lights my fire, and I love it. And one of the things that helps you love something better is sharing that love, teaching. So eventually, after I finish up, I have produced all that I'm going to produce as a creative professional. I've made it big time and worked with big brands. My hope is to work as a teacher and potentially in the higher education sector teaching graphic design. The reason that I think I would be a good teacher is because I love it when other people get infected with my passion. When they light up and they recognize something for the first time the way that I did, it's like doing it for myself for the first time again as well. I enjoyed coaching throughout high school and college even as a, as a side job, and there is nothing better than watching someone's eyes light up when they acquire a new skill or maybe a new technique when it finally clicks for them. That's my end goal. I would love to have a portfolio vast enough, wide enough, and uh, recognizable enough to warrant a teaching position in a higher education scenario, in a scene. That would be my dream job. So because that's my dream to infect everyone with passion, everything I do up until this point is kind of along the lines of how do I earn people's respect as a designer? How do I cut my teeth on the the technicalities and the, the difficulties that, that surround the design space? Do I have enough diversity in my portfolio that shows I have tried every version of design because I'm in love with it, because I want to learn how to teach it, and because I don't want to have any area of my portfolio be anemic and underdeveloped? That's really my dream. And so this podcast is an example of how my dream is being fulfilled even in daily projects. I call this concept, or at least the, the topic of this discussion, pull the trigger for a specific reason. I'm not just rambling and telling you about my history. I have a reason for using the term pull the trigger. I'm also going to add to that the concept of minimum viable product and how valuable that is. For those of you who haven't ever worked at a startup, this might be a new concept for you. If you've worked at a company that's established and has their process, does their X, Y, and Z a thousand times a day for a giant audience, then you might not have heard this term. But anyone who's been on the innovative side of creative design or releasing a product or um, any creative endeavor will, will have a better odds, I guess, at hearing the term minimum viable product. It basically means what is the most lean, most simplified, scaled down version of your idea and how can we get that out in front of people quickly? Now, this is a really important concept for startups and specifically designers. When you're talking minimum viable product design, you're doing mock-ups and you're doing you know minimal numbers of iterations and changes. You're not going back to the drawing board a thousand times to micro-analyze every single aspect of your artwork. You're really trying to get something out there. And not only does that match with the hustle from last episode, but it also matches with the identity of this podcast. This is not a polished format. I'm not scripted. I'm not working off of 
any kind of deep analysis formats. I'm not reading off of a, a cue card or anything. This is a free flow kind of format for the podcast. And that is basically my version of minimum viable product. I needed with the last episode to get something out there. Yes, I could have spent thousands of hours going back and editing out all of the different blips and cuts and breaths and ums, but that wouldn't have been a wise use of my time. My time should be spent towards developing content or developing or even making progress towards what it is that I hope to achieve. I just told you that my hope is to produce some work out there that proves I love design, I know what I'm talking about, and I would love to share my passion with others. I can't think of a better thing to align with that core value statement than a podcast because it at the core value or at the core level it's me sharing my passion with you that's what i hope to do so you guys are basically my test run i am using you to kind of trial and error my way through talking about design i'm so grateful that you have stuck with me and listened to this but it is all in the same trajectory that my dreams are aimed at now we get to the pull the trigger metaphor I have titled this episode. I like the pull the trigger concept because it illustrates really well that decision point. The point at which you could either not pull the trigger or go 100% in the direction. It's the metaphor, the visual metaphor of commitment. You can't pull the trigger and then seconds later decide, oh, no, actually, I, I, I'd like to take that back. That's not the case. When you pull the trigger, you have aimed a direction, you have marshaled all of your forces, and you've made the decision to commit 100%. Once you pull the trigger, there's no going back. You're committed. And I love that. It, it flawlessly dovetails with the hustle. Now, I did go out and do some research on the hustle, and I will address those in some of the Q&A, so stick with me till then. But the hustle is good and it, what I meant to communicate was identify those barriers to success. Identify those time-wasting, zero-return activities and eliminate those in favor of pursuing what it is that you're focused on. But I didn't mean that you'd have to have the entire roadmap planned out. I don't have the entire roadmap planned out. You're listening to my podcast and I never even thought two weeks ago that I would have a podcast. But here I am because of your feedback and because so many people engage with me, I feel obligated. And it also is aligned with what I hope to do to eventually teach. So here I am in an endeavor that I never thought I would be doing, but I'm still being faithful with it. And the reason I'm faithful with it is because I love this stuff. I found something that I could do for fun without needing to worry about getting paid for it because at the end of the day, the act of doing it itself was valuable enough. Left me feeling like I had accomplished something. When I finally hit submit and produce this clip, this episode, that will be a statement to myself in the inner dialogue that I produce something worthwhile. Even if I don't get a, a huge number of plays, even if no one really reaches out, 
I demonstrated that I wanted to do design and I wanted to share what I thought and my feelings about design. And that will be enough. That will be aligned with my pulling the trigger. I've aimed at teaching and I've aimed at teaching around design. And I pull the trigger daily with every decision that I make Instead of watching Netflix or binging or hanging out with friends or spending time doing any other hobby, I've arranged my schedule so that the maximum amount of time possible without you know, being in danger of being a workaholic is spent pursuing this thing that I love, pursuing this either gathering new skill sets along design or teaching others about design or sharing what I've learned about design with lay people, with people who aren't creative professionals. It's the love of design and the love of teaching that drives me forward. When I use that terminology, it's easy for me to pull the trigger. It's easy for me to acknowledge my faults and acknowledge that I am not perfect, nor am I polished. That's not the point. The point is to pull the trigger on something to get something out there. What most of you designers will know is no one in the brainstorming ethos, in all of the committees that you gather around, if you work as a designer on a committee or in meetings, no one will have an opinion about design until you actually produce the first round draft. No one really cares what typeface or cares what iconography or colors, and obviously there are exemptions. Sometimes they do, and you have really good creative direction from the beginning. But most of the time, clients have no idea what they want until after they've seen something that you've done. And it's once they've seen something that you've made that they actually start to have an opinion, and they think of themselves as experts. Now, granted, I'm not going to harp on clients right now because that's not the point of this particular segment. The point is, it's not until you actually do something and produce something that anyone cares or anyone has any frame of reference for what it is you're passionate about. That is the whole purpose of calling this podcast Pull the Trigger. If you haven't pulled the trigger, and if you're waiting with your idea in the loading bay, it's it's stuck in the chute, it's still in the development stages, figure out what the smallest possible version of your idea could be and work on that and get it submitted. Pull the trigger, post it, get it out there, get somebody looking at it. Because if you're stagnating in your dream and you're just the only one who has any visibility on what it is you're passionate about, you won't be able to brainstorm. You have an incredible community, more so than any other generation ever to exist before us. We have tools like Instagram and Dribble and Facebook. We're able to reach huge audiences with just a simple hashtag and some SEO with that level of critique, with that level of community, why is it that you are not putting the basics out there? Do a rough draft, do a beta version, do something, the minimum viable product version of your dream, get it out there just to see what the conversation comes, you know, out of it. Do people like it? Do they not like it? Do they care about it? Is is there synergy? Is there any you know? Is there someone who could actually help you implement? I don't mean to harp on this fact that you got to do something and make a difference in life. 
without giving you a, a frame of reference. None of the things that I've done did I absolutely 100% from the point of posting love. Most of the time, the things that I produce, they're about 80% of the way there. The things that I kind of like and I could spend more time on them, but because of my self-imposed restrictions, I've decided just get it out there. It's more valuable to get something out there than it is to sit on it and wait for perfection because perfection is the unicorn. It never comes. If you're a perfectionist, then you live with a constant level of unattainable you know, personal standards, and that is unhealthy. Pull the trigger on the minimum viable product. Don't allow the desire to have polished perfection keep you from getting input because you are not siloed, you are not alone. I am one of those people out there who is willing to talk about anything, even if it's not design-based, even if you have a fabulous idea or concept for a charity around knitting, giving caps to the homeless. That's so far out of my daily life that it's interesting. I would love to get passionate about it with you and, and to brainstorm some ideas, maybe add my skill set to those. But I never would have known about it had you not pulled the trigger, had you not released or submitted or produced that minimum viable product. So this segment is to encourage you out there. If you have an idea, don't think about it in its most perfective form because there's such a high quality threshold out there that we all think we need to be perfect before we submit, before we post. And while that is, you know, good that we're being challenged to do better and, and, and to iterate more often to come up with something inevitably beautiful, it's not supposed to keep you from participating, participate, cut, some time out of your day to do something and don't wait for you to be completely happy with it. Just try to set for yourself reasonable expectations, daily goals to make progress and get something launched, pull the trigger on it. So I am going to release episode two with all of its flaws. I don't know if you guys recognize, but in one of the previous clips, my dog was scratching himself and you can hear his collar jangling. And I'm not going to go back and try and fuss with editing that out because I want to get something out there. It would, it would push me past my deadline. I want to pull the trigger on this, and I'm just going to let it go because perfectionism is death. Don't worry about perfectionism. Worry about iteration. Move fast and iterate. It's Facebook's mantra. It was our mantra over at Country Outfitter, and it's so helpful. Move fast, break things, and pivot. The only kind of failure that you could ever have is quitting or non-starting. That's real failure. Making mistakes and having something less than perfect out there is not a failure. That is you being real and authentic and vulnerable. And actually, that's more valuable for us out there who are trying to follow in your footsteps. You probably are a genius and you don't even know it because you haven't actually released something. So get out there, put something out there, release your idea, and don't get tied down with uh, it may not be what I hope to do forever and always. If this is my dream, I'm going to stick with it forever. That is not a healthy standard to have for your dreams or for your hustle. But hustle in the sense that do whatever it takes to get to that benchmark of ship it and then ship it. Don't wait for it to be perfect. Don't wait for it to be polished. But make something happen and get the conversation rolling. Find some help. 
Anyway, that's pull the trigger. Hopefully you find that helpful. I, I, I'm going to try and model that myself. And if you want to be my accountability, please do. Now we are at one of my personal favorite sections of the podcast, which is the Instagram hero of the week. I love this section because it allows me to focus on someone else. I don't want this show to be all about me. In fact, I'm going to do my very best to highlight others, others' stories and others' pursuits. Last week I talked about Eva Winters, and I am blown away that she even decided to do a post around the topic of last week's episode, The Hustle Sold Separately. It was really, really cool to see that go live and the number of people who agreed with that idea. This week, I get to feature someone new as my Instagram hero. I want to call out Adrian Meadows. This guy on Instagram, his uh, handle is I Aspire, two eyes, I I Aspire. And he has been one of those members of my Instagram community consistently posting good work. His pieces are simple, but he is constantly trying to better himself. He selects one, two, or three words to really feature in his Instagram posts, and they are gorgeous. They're well done. They are, you know, marker, hand-run lettering type on black or white backgrounds, and they're just beautiful. So go check him out. Give him some love. Give him the encouragement that he needs. He is one of the guys who is faithfully out there producing beautiful things, and he constantly is giving me encouragement, even though I am much further behind him in the endeavor of bettering myself as a letterer, but um, he never considers it too small for him to comment on my posts, and I love it, and he has been an encouragement to me, so Adrian, thank you so much. Go check him out. I will link him in the description. He does good work. He needs to be in your feed on Instagram if you are a fan of type he will constantly surprise you with really cool things. So check him out. Thanks, Adrian. Hopefully you hear this, and I, I know that you listened to the last episode. I really appreciate it. You've been supportive to me in multiple ways. So big kudos to you, and I love that you sometimes feature you and your little family, your wife, and uh, it's great to feel like we are on this journey of becoming better together. That was my Instagram feature of the week. All right. Now a note for the clients out there. If you are someone who buys design and you're listening to this podcast, thank you for listening. First off, thank you for buying design because without you, we couldn't make this a profession. But I want to take a minute to speak to you directly. Yes, it is wonderful that you reach out to us when you recognize our style and want to hire us. It's wonderful to have that compliment. Before you go out and ask a designer for input on your project, I would love it if you have a concept of what it is that you're willing to pay for design. Everyone shrinks back with the word pay or budget or how much is this going to cost? Most of the designers out there are scrappy and 
they are looking forward to new projects, new concepts, things that they can throw their brain at. I know that that's true about me. Many times I have had clients just completely abandon the conversation in our email thread once I ask them what their budget is. And that bothers me because design is our passion, but it's also our profession. We have spent a lot of time researching everything about this industry. We have perfected a set of skills that you have recognized as the aesthetic you hoped to add to your brand or contribute to your project. But when we ask you what your budget is, what we're not asking is, you know, what the information is, how I can take advantage of you. That is not our goal as designers. Chances are we definitely want to work with you. What we're asking when we ask for your budget, we're asking what your level of monetary commitment is to the project. How should it fit? How should we approach your project? If you have a budget of 10 grand for some design, that means that we need to approach it with the mindset of this is going to take months and many revisions as a creative. If you have 50 bucks or even no money at all and you need pro bono work, that helps us to understand this is going to fit in our free time. This is something that if we believe in your mission and believe in your product, something that we are going to gift to you. Both of those are incredible scenarios and things that I have come into contact with recently. And I've had clients reach out to me and say, hey, I love your work. What would you charge me to do something along those lines? And I have no way to respond to them because a lot of clients don't know what to expect when they are asking for a quote on design. Now, Sean Wes is a, uh, a prolific podcaster and video celebrity on YouTube, and he has all of his podcasts on uh, value-based pricing. And while those are helpful for the design side of things, it I will get into my issues with the value-based pricing model. I am What I want to say to the clients is I, as a creative, am not trying to gouge you. I'm not trying to run away with your money. I really do care about your project, and chances are I want to commit to helping you. I just would love to know what it is that you would like this thing to accomplish and how you expect me to participate dollars and money give me a huge insight as a creative as to what level of commitment you're willing to pony up for this project because what you're asking me to do is care you're asking me to invest in your project to give you a piece of my innermost creativeness my soul to care about your project and while that is for sale i would also love to know what level of commitment you expect. Because if you expect the 10-month-long project or the you know uh, huge branding endeavor that some people are looking for, that's going to cost some money. It's not going to cost money because I know that you have a big budget. It's going to cost money because I'm going to commit 100% and give you the cream of the crop, my, my most deep and personal level of commitment and I'm going to get with you and get behind your dream and help you realize it. If you're the person who has no money to spend on this and you just need something because you don't know the tools of Photoshop and you couldn't do a better version on your own in PowerPoint or Word or Paint, 
any of the default programs, that's good to know too, because I would love to add my skill set. I can, I can work the dials of Photoshop like a wizard. If you've never used Photoshop, then, then ask me to help you because I would love to help you. But I would also like with that budget, what it allows me to do is to know what level that you're willing to communicate, what level you're willing to commit and pony up behind this project. So don't be afraid when a designer out there asks you for your budget because chances are if they're passionate about this and you can see it from their work that they are not trying to gouge you. They're not trying to charge you more. They're not going to try and um, swindle you out of dollars. They're going to try and gauge how much it is, uh, of their, their inner, deeper, most personhood, their creativity that you're requiring, uh, that you're going to need for this project and whether or not that will be um, possible for them in the coming months. You know, we all have schedules and we all have, uh, availability. And, you know, if, if you want a design that's going to take me six months, then I have to take that into consideration when I'm looking at all the other endeavors I have to do. So please do not be afraid to follow up with a reasonable budget. And maybe there are some designers out there who will balk and say, Nope, sorry, I can't work for you at that level. But chances are, if you're upfront about your budget and you're upfront about the number that you're willing to spend on design, the designer is going to do their best to accommodate you there. And that is what I would do. That is what many of my fellow creatives would do. We're going to try and match our level of effort, and you'll get better level service. We'd love what we do. So chances are you will get uh, much more than what you're paying for if you are on a very tight budget. Just by sharing that upfront number with us. So anyway, that's my note for the designer for the clients out there. Hopefully, as a designer, you agree with me. If you don't agree with me, you can tweet about it, or you can say that I'm off my rocker. I don't have a good concept of design. But for all the clients out there who uh, are worried about the the fact that their designer is going to take advantage of them, get a hold of me. Listen to this section share it with uh, every everyone that you know that is a client because we are not trying to gouge you. We love what we do and we would love to help you in your endeavor. We, we got into this business because we're passionate and we're creative and we want to do work. Most of the designers out there are hustlers and they are eagerly ready and waiting for new problems to solve. That's addicting and it's fun and it's what we want to do. So Give us um, the chance to tell you what we would, would be able to do for the budget that you have uh, available. Okay, what am I listening to? Well, I already told you I'm listening to Noon Pacific. It is uh, my favorite app thus far, but if we went back to, to, uh, to Spotify, which is kind of where I you know, accumulate my playlists, I found this really cool website that allows designers to publish and post with uh, album artwork their um, what they're listening to and, and what their their playlists are. It's called designers.mx. And one of the, the playlists that I found while surfing designers.mx was Black is the New Black. So if you want to follow me on Spotify, you can uh, have access to the playlist that I'm currently listening to. But check out Black is the New Black. It's really cool. It's got a lot of electronic beats. It's got a lot of uh, fringe music, kind of similar to Noon Pacific. Noon Pacific. Uh, it's still not a, uh, a holistic 
uh, replacement for that service because Noon Pacific is doing a great job. So don't uh, go to Black is a New Black and expect um, daily updates like Noon Pacific would give you. But uh, but if you're interested in just uh, you know a simple playlist uh, um, of some kind of EDM and house mix jams, check out Black is the New Black on Spotify. It's really cool. Now the, the we're going to finish up this episode by answering some questions from this last podcast. First question comes from Andrew Layden, one of my good friends, but also uh, a fellow um, podcaster uh, in the making. He asked me what did, what kind of equipment that I'm using and how I'm balancing all of the audio for this podcast. He he was blown away by the audio quality, and I and I really appreciate the fact that he was listening. Uh, I am using the blue microphone Yeti with a $25 pop filter over the mic and a simple boom attachment that attaches to my desk so that it can sit right in front of my mouth while I'm looking at my computer. That's my equipment. I'm also uh, using a garage band. It's nothing fancy, but it gets the job done. So that's how I'm doing podcasts. And then I'm using SoundCloud as my hosting. If you are interested in doing podcasts, uh, SoundCloud offers, I think, three hours of upload time for, for uh, free users. So um, that would be a good way to get started and, and get some traction rolling before you commit to something a, a little bit more uh, spendy on the, the monthly subscription side. So thanks, Andrew, for that question. And I really appreciate your uh, your compliments on my audio quality. This is uh, a new endeavor for me, but I, I'm glad that the audio quality is something that you uh, don't mind listening to. Second, I want to address a comment that was made by Anthony Floyd. He had an issue with me uh, uh, basically dismissing gamers as um, the metaphor, the pinnacle example of time wasters. It was never my desire to put down game players. I love video games. I myself have um, spent an entire summer uh, plugged into the gaming community, and it, with Xbox Live and with uh, with all of the the community surrounded with online gameplay, there is a lot of synergy and a lot of community. My goal with last week's episode was not to put down the aspirers, the, the, the people who are willing to use any medium that they're passionate about to um, go out and reach for the stars, really make a difference. He is doing that. He even has a YouTube channel, and I highly suggest you go check him out. Um, Anthony is a, a former student, well, a former, um, I guess, alumni of JBU with me. We, were, we had a class together, and... Uh, he is an incredibly talented designer, and um, and he, I love to see that his hustle has included his passion for gaming. Uh, he's gotten involved with the community and r- really connected with a lot of people and uh, done something worthwhile recording his game sessions. And so that is not at all the people I was trying to um, – uh, stigmatize and 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 I've said it flippantly in the last episode. So I want to amend that there are gamers out there who are doing incredible things. My hope was to, to incite some personal reflection. If you recognize any medium, whether it's video games, sports, uh, downtime, drinking, hanging with friends, karaoke, YouTube, or BuzzFeed, any of the things in your life that take a disproportionate level of time without providing you 
uh, returns from that endeavor, that's the kind of thing I was calling out in the last episode. I was saying it is not worth your time to just waste it, uh, to just throw it in the trash can. Uh, Anything that you do that after you're done, uh, after you you turn off the device that you consume content on, anything that you um, consume that leaves you feeling um, empty or um, entertained, uh, and that's the sole purpose. That's the kind of thing I was talking about. Not uh, using your um, natural passions uh, in in positive and hustling ways. So he is a hustler. He's shared with me a story, and I wanted to amend that statement. I said it flippantly as a as an example last episode, and I did not mean to uh, denounce all gamers. There is a subset of gamers that are really passionate people that are building into a community, and they're doing amazing things, cutting edge, and it's really admirable. And I love that stuff. Uh, it, it doesn't fit with my, my current dream, but that doesn't mean that it's not incredibly valuable. So thanks, Anthony, for calling me out. I appreciate it, and, uh, and, and I'm glad that you actually care to engage. Then also my friend Brittany, she said she is struggling with which direction to run with her dreams. She's passionate about so many things, but she definitely uh, wants to make sure that the thing that she lands on, the thing that she makes progress on, aligns with something she could be happy with doing forever. Hopefully you, Brittany, uh, are hearing this and you uh, took something away from the, the, the main segment. I don't mean for you to have your plan all laid out. That is uh, unreasonable at the very best. You You, you can't just know immediately as soon as you hear a podcast what it is you dream about what it is that lights your passion and and make progress on it that's not the goal the goal is to uh, carve out a section of time every day that you um, protect as as important as going to work or as important as getting a good night's sleep that you carve out a section of your day to explore the things that you enjoy and then ask yourself the question how could this potentially help others? If you can combine something that helps others and is something that you enjoy, that's the hustle. The hustle is then ignoring any uh, distractions or complications that would get in the way of that carved out time. Granted, hustle lasts in seasons. So sometimes when uh, life is hitting you from every side. You don't have time to commit to a hobby or a passion project. Go check out John Acuff's video about hustle going in seasons. Like I said earlier in the episode, I did some research on the hustle, and it is a industry buzzword right now. Everyone is talking about it, and there's a lot of really good content about the hustle. One of the people who's doing great content is John Acuff. Go check him out because he does a couple of videos about hustle takes grit and then hustle goes in seasons. And I think that would be really helpful for you as you try and wrestle with what it is that you're passionate about, what it is that you hope to achieve. Another question I got was how do I maintain momentum in the midst of so much, uh, ex- well, extraneous circumstances or excuses or, um, seemingly important roadblocks. The simple answer is, I just ignore them. I call them what they are. There are so many people out there who float through life without analyzing 
what is influencing them at any given section, what they are allowing to have dominion over their life, what they're allowing to take up their time. And there are things that you can't avoid, getting your oil changed, doing the dishes, participating in mealtime, all of those things are necessities. But it's the things that aren't necessities that I was talking about in the last episode. Those things are standing in the way of what it is that you hope to pursue. So for me, I've practiced over and over and over again, asking myself the question when I'm faced with a new opportunity to go hang out with friends, to play a drinking game, to read a new book or to start a new show, I, I practice the concept of, is this going to distract me from what I really care about? When I ask myself that question, sometimes I'm able to answer really clearly. And when I am, am able to answer really clearly, then I know what it is that I need to ignore. I ignore that show for the sake of my hustle, for the sake of my dream. I'd rather make progress than I would uh, watch a show that I don't, I'm not currently invested in and I don't really care about. So it will be there should, you know, I I reach a bunch of roadblocks. I I will be able to go back and watch it. I'm not missing out. In the Netflix culture that we have, it is implied urgency, but really Netflix will be there if you need to defer that gratification till later. That's what I'm talking about, the hustle. Be willing to defer your gratification defer those pastimes till later until times when you wouldn't be able to make progress on your dreams when it's not opportune to uh, sit down and crank out some work that that would be the time to you know to veg out to hang out and uh, and to really embrace a show I'm not uh, no fun uh, makes Jack a dull boy I'm so I'm not advocating uh, not having a fun life I am saying that when you make a decision to launch a new episode or to watch a new episode, make sure that it is not getting in the way of something that you should be doing or you'd rather be doing. Okay, that was it. That's all that I can uh, cover for this episode. Thank you so much. We did it for episode two. You have gotten to the end. I really appreciate it. Thank you for downloading. I would love to remind you to go out and engage. Get a hold of me uh, on Twitter at design underscore soapbox. Uh, tweet your comments and questions for the next episode. Um, or if you have a desire to be a part of the show and want to interview, reach out to me at daniel at designsoapbox.com or contact at designsoapbox.com. Both of those go directly to me as well as my personal Twitter if you just want to give me some kudos or be my accountability, at Daniel Heron. All of those comments and questions are received with gratitude. I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Thank you for making this conversation and more than just me sitting here with my microphone. So that has been Episode 2, Pulling the Trigger and the Design Soapbox. Hey, I think you're pretty neat.